we've been covering the Mool Mantra so far. And everything that we've covered, when we look at it at a surface level, it always feels like it's talking about the other. It's talking about some God, some external being. And as much as we can try and understand that what is being talked about isn't actually external to you, the Mool Mantra itself remains quite out there, quite distant. It talks about this oneness, it talks about it being creative, creative energy, about a state of being fearless, about a state of being without hate, that it's self-sufficient, self-sufficient, doesn't have any birth, doesn't have any death. It comes with the grace of the Guru. It has been true since the beginning of time, now and forever true. And as much as we think of those things as trying to relate them to us, as the Japji Sahib unfolds, we see that questions and answers start coming through. And we can see Japji Sahib as a conversation, as though questions are being asked and Guru Nanak Dev Ji is responding to those questions. So if we see the ending of that first salok, talking about that permanent truth, then naturally the question then becomes, well, what about me? There's still the I. There's still how do I relate to this? What am I supposed to do with this oneness? How do I become one with this oneness? And that's the first question that's being asked of Guru Nanak Dev Ji here. That we think we have an understanding of what this concept is. But we've also heard about certain practices of how to feel it, how to experience it, how to become one with it. And so these practices are being posed as questions to Guru Nanak Dev Ji. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji is answering specific questions around what are the common themes, the common practices that people know at the time that how do we actually engage with this thing? How do we get rid of our understanding of what our ego is, who we are? We have the analogy of the bricks and the fortress that we've built around us. How do we get rid of all that stuff? So the common themes of the time was that you actually had to go and physically do some activities. You had to go to holy places to go and bathe yourself and wash yourself like somehow external cleansing was going to be the starting point to internal cleansing. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji has posed that as a question. The other kind of techniques that we hear about that are still prevalent today and all of these things are still as relevant today especially in Indian culture around going to places of pilgrimage. Go there and then you'll have some kirpa done on you. And we've translated these old methods and we've just replaced the venues. Where the, the thirath used to be done at holy rivers, now we've come to believe within ourselves that actually if you go to Darbar Sahib and you have Ishnan there, that all the other tirath, you can ignore those, but this tirath, that's the one that you have to do. For the Sikhs, this is the tirath. That's what we've now told ourselves. So this is not just about some old techniques. Even now, we feel that in order to 
understand this, meditation is a big part of what we need to do. And the type of meditation we think of, there's only one type that, that is prevalent in the world, which is sitting down and trying to quieten the mind with whatever technique. We think that quietening the mind is what needs to be done. Another technique that was around at the time was to reject the world. If the world has created your ego, if the world is the distraction, then to step away from the world is seen as the other technique. To step back, to go into almost into hiding. And that's the other technique that even now we think about when you think that you want to become spiritual in some way, you think, I have to go away for a while. I have to leave my family. I have to go on some long journey of self-discovery. I have to go to some ashram somewhere. I have to live like a yogi of some sort. And so these practices are just as prevalent today. And Guru Nanak Dev Ji has posed these as questions. Are these the way to get to what you're talking about. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji starts by answering this, the most common practices. The first verse of the Japji Sahib starts with Socha Sochana Hovai Je Sochi Lakhva So we have a couple of key words here. The first word is socha. And it has what we call Dulam, a vowel on top. That comes from the word soch, and that soch means bathing. The first word, soch, means bathing. Soch means bathing. Socha means by bathing. The consequence of bathing is such. Socha. Through bathing, as a result of bathing, socha. And we see Guru Granth Sahib Ji used this word again and again. In Sukhmani Sahib, there's a line that says, Soch kare din sararat, man ki mail na tan te Soch, there the word soch also means to cleanse, to bathe you. That day and night you may bathe, but the filth of the mind doesn't go by bathing the body. So that word soch appears in Gurbani. <clears throat> but this word soch, with exactly the same spelling, has also been used to mean thinking. And in today's Punjabi, we use soch, the word to mean thinking. So the same spelling has been used in Guru Granth Sahib Ji to mean bathing and the same spelling word has been used to mean thinking. Now different textbooks that you read will give you different examples. Some will say that this line is talking about bathing. Others will tell you that this line is about thinking. 
we have to look at the rest of the Shabbas to understand the context, to understand which version of sort is being used here. We have a line that talks about sort, sotya, sort na hovei. The next is chupe chup na hovei. Pukhya pukhna utri. Then the fourth line is sehs syanapa. Sehs syanapa. Syanapa means ideas, thoughts. So the idea of thinking is already covered in this verse in the fourth line. Thoughts and thinking and clever ideas is already covered in the fourth line. So this first line is about cleansing, is about bathing. Socha soch nahovai. This second word Soch comes from the word such. That's what this word is, such. But suchim. And that word means purity. Socha, bathing, such is purity, pavitta. So merging these two ideas comes with this spelling here, soch. So this second soch means purity that comes from bathing. Purity that comes from cleansing. <coughs> so we can say here that there are two or three ways to translate this first line. The first is when we say soche sochinahove, what we can actually say. If you take this line in isolation, it says that by bathing, you will not become cleansed, purified. Your body will not become purified. The body naturally is constantly excreting waste. Anything it doesn't want, sweat coming from your pores is a, is a process of your body getting rid of what it doesn't want. As soon as you bathe, you stop bathing, you dry yourself, the process starts again. So no amount of washing yourself will get you to the point where you say, I no longer need to bathe. I'm completely clean. So if you take this line in isolation, you can say that this line is talking about if I do luck means a hundred thousand or hundreds of thousands. One lakh in Indian terminology is a hundred thousand. So if I bathe a hundred thousand times or hundreds of thousands of times means any large number. Socha soch nahovei does not happen. Nahovei. But Gurbani isn't written in a way that you should take individual lines in isolation. Gurbani should never be read in that way. In order to understand the line, you must look at the whole verse. And sometimes you have to look at the entire Shabbat to understand the context of each individual line. So you go through the whole meaning of the Shabbat. And then there'll be some key words later on which will give the whole context of the Shabbat. If the Shabbat has a Rahau line, then that makes it a little bit easier. Rahau is the central theme of a Shabbat. 
if the Shabbat doesn't have a Rahau line, if the verse, if the Pauri doesn't have a Rahau line, then you have to just look at what the main message is. Here, the main message comes much further down. After the four lines of Chukpa, Bukhya, Sayanapa, then the key question that's being asked is, give Satyara Huya. So here the whole context of the Shabbat is about Satyara. About how do I find that state of permanent truth. Within my, this is talking about a state of mind. An experience. So the context of the Shabbat has to be read with Satyara as the context. As the key message. So, in isolation, the Shabbat means, this line means, uh, I can cleanse my body a thousand times, but my body will never become cleansed. But if we're looking at it from a state of mind, then what this line is saying, that even though you may bathe your body, your mind will not become sochi. Socha the second soch means that by bathing, the mind will not become purified. Socha, soch, the mind itself does not become such. Je sochi lakavar. Even if you try to do this purification a hundred thousand times, the mind cannot become purified by cleaning the body. And this is the same message that comes in Sukhman Sad. The line that we've read, Soch kare dinis arat man ki mahal na tante The mahal of the mind, the filth of the mind is the, the concept that we're talking about. We're not really interested in cleaning of the body, purity of the body. That's not the theme here. Man ki says, Man mele sab kich mela, tan tote man hachana hoy. When the mind is dirty, everything is dirty. Cleaning the body, the mind doesn't become pure. Tan tote man hachana hoy. The mind can never be cleaned in this way. <coughs> so that's the same meaning here. Socha, soch nahovei. The purity of the mind doesn't happen. The second line is chuppa. Something to bear in mind here is the pronunciation. Sometimes people are a little bit relaxed with their lam and dulam. But when we look at the grammar of Gurbani, they actually mean different things. You often hear people saying, Soche, soch na hovei. But this is dulam. This is soche, soch na hovei. Not soche. Soche, soch na hovei. Chuppe, chup na hovei. Not chuppe. The dulam means the consequence of this action. Chuppe. Chup karan nal. By being silent. By bathing. Chuppe chup na hovei. Je lai raha livtar. So chup means to remain quiet. <coughs> Excuse me. To remain silent. Chuppe, chup na The other words are a little bit more complicated. Lai raha means to remain. Lai raha. They are together. Lai raha means remain. Live means meditative pose. To be in a meditative state. Livtar 
Tar means single focus or a continuous single-minded focus. So, je lai raha, if I remain in a single focus meditative state, even still, the mind will not be silenced. Which sounds quite contradictory. You might think that's actually what we're trying to achieve, is a silence of the mind. So here what is being said is, chuppe chup na Through silence, the second chup is referring to silence of the mind. So through silence of the body alone, through silence of the body alone, and again this is a common practice, a technique that we've seen throughout the ages, is that people refrain from speaking. In India we call this mourn, to be in a state of silence. Guruji is addressing this particular technique and saying by being in a state of mourn, the mind itself doesn't stop its chatter. So simply stopping what you're saying doesn't stop your mind from having conversations. Chuppe, chupnahobi, the mind does not become silent. Even if I sit in a single focused meditative pose, if I sit in a state and I look like I'm being very silent, I look like I'm being very meditative, it doesn't mean that inside there is silence, there is shanti. It's not saying don't bathe. It's not saying don't meditate. It's not saying try and have a quieter state of mind. It's simply addressing some of the false notions that these are the only ways or that these are essential ways. And we'll go on to that. The third line. Bukhya buk na utri. Bukhya here is referring to the people who are hungry. Bukhya. Bukhya is the people who are hungry. Their hunger, that's the second book, is not lifted. Pukhya puk na utri. Utri means to be lifted. Now this is a, an interesting line here. Je banna puriya par. What do those words mean? So pukhya, the hungry. Puk, hunger. Or we can talk about desire. Notice here that the puk is what we call mukta. What do I mean by that? The word puk doesn't have an onkar underneath it. If it had an onkar underneath it, it would mean a single hunger. When you take the onkar away, it becomes plural, many. In Gurbani grammar, we have words that describe this. Singular is called ikvachan. One word, single word, ikvachan. A word like this, which is plural, is called bovachan. Bovachan. That means a plural word. So here the word puk is bovachan. Pukhya puk. So this means hungers. What is the hunger of the mind? What's another word for the mind being hungry? Desire. So here, what we're talking about is plural desires. By remaining hungry, so there are two ways to refer to this. By remaining hungry. Now some people think that by abstaining from the world, running away from the world, no 
contact with Maya, minimal amount of food. Buddha practiced this technique. Buddha practiced this technique with a group of meditators for many years, and they say to the point at which his his skin was almost just flesh and very little flesh, and his skin was showing all of the bones coming through. That he had literally been reduced down to a skeleton. I think it's something like six years he was in this meditative state. One day, it dawned upon him that this was not the technique. He saw a passerby who had a bag of rice, and he simply went and started eating that rice. And he realized that no longer was hunger the path of his meditation. All the other meditators around him felt completely rejected. They felt like this person had great potential, but now that this person had left their path, that he had completely rejected meditation, he was no longer on the path, but actually Buddha was saying that I now realize that I've done this for long enough, this is not the path anymore. Being hungry is not necessary for enlightenment. That's one way to look at this line. But the second way gives a little bit more clarity what it's talking about. Je banna puriya par. Banna means to tie something up. Banke rakhna. Banna. To tie something up. Puriya means the world. Par means all the collection, the weight of the world, the possessions of the world. So here, what it's actually talking about is another technique. The technique here is that of indulgence. So there is a particular technique (coughs) that is the opposite of being reclusive from the world. There's another technique that says, if I'm going to find God, I'm going to enjoy my time as I do it. I'm going to indulge in anything that my mind wants, so my mind no longer is left with any desires. So that's another technique. Let me indulge in anything that my mind wants, in all the pleasures that the mind can think of, If I gather all of that, all wealth, all materialism, I experience all the experiences that my mind wants. Now this is something that we know today. If you take the meditation side of it, in the Western world, we see this as the way to live. Any spare moment that we get in our life, we go and fulfill a desire of the mind. And in fact, this kind of way of thinking is almost encouraged. We're told that the way to live is to seize the day. The Latin word is carpe diem, seize the day. Live today as though it's your last day. If today was your last day, what are all the crazy things you're allowed to do? Go and do them. Throw yourself off a bridge scuba dive with sharks, parachute jump, all the crazy things that your mind can think of, any extreme that hasn't been reached, let's climb a mountain, all of those things are what we're encouraged to do these days. But Guru Nanak says that this doesn't stop that desire. Once you go down that path, The more you fulfill your mind's desires, your mind doesn't become satisfied. That desire, if you keep indulging in that desire, your puk never gets satisfied. It gets worse. Absolutely. So here this line means the desires of mind 
the mind's desires of the hungry people, the Pukhya people, the ones who are constantly trying to achieve more, <coughs> their desires are not removed even if we collected all of the world's possessions. Jebanna Puriya Par, the whole of the world's possessions, we obtain them. If we fulfill every desire, the desire of the mind is not obtained. And in the same way, we can say that even if we refrained from the world and we run away from the world, even then the mind continues to desire. If you were to convince yourself that actually the world is the problem, the reason why you're not developing spiritually, is that you're too distracted by the world. That in fact your responsibilities in life, your work, your family, your commitments, they're the things that are holding you up. You might convince yourself that actually I need to step away from the world, that maya is my problem. And you might say I need to go and find some meditative retreat and go live somewhere else in, in some ashram for a long period of time until I get over it. <coughs> While you're away, you'll find that your mind is still with your family. Because that's who you are. That's where you belong. You'll constantly know and feel that you're actually away from your normal, normal life. So as you step your body away, your mind will not step away from that. And how long can you live that life? At some point, responsibilities kick in. At some point, you'll have to earn some money wherever you live, to feed yourself, to clothe yourself. Then you're going to want to have some companionship because you don't want to live by yourself. So that becomes your new circle. That becomes your new community, your new friends, your new set of responsibilities. Because this is the natural way of humans. We are tribal beings. We live in groups. We have to eat. We have to rest. We have to cleanse ourselves, you have to clothe ourselves. So eventually you'll find yourself back in the same situation. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji says that being a recluse and running away from the world isn't a technique. Here's another technique, and again a technique that we see quite prevalent. Reading lots of books and being able to quote a lot of Gurbani isn't a technique. Knowing all the right things to say, having an answer for everything, isn't a technique. Guru Nanak Dev Ji says in the next line, Sehas siyanapa lakhohe ta ik na chale na. Sehas means thousands. Siyanapa means cleverness, clever ideas, good thoughts, good opinions, good arguments. If you're able to argue your way out of any discussion so that you are on top, you're the winner, you're the one who's got the most convincing arguments, all that does is it adds to your ego. That makes you believe that I'm a gyanni, I have gyan. And today we refer to people who've read lots of books and who know all the grunts and all the Vedas and all the part and all the lines. We refer to them with a very inappropriate word. We call them Gyanni. But Guru Granth Sahib Ji and Bani refers to Gyan as something completely different. Someone who has known the experience of the divine, they have Gyan. Brahm Gyan, Gyan of that divine. <coughs> Simply knowing lots of things, lots of quotes, knowing lots of Gurbani alone is not enough. Because that knowledge doesn't go anywhere. That knowledge doesn't do anything for you. <coughs> 
So you have to ask yourself, whenever you refer to someone as a Gyanli, do they have the divine knowledge based from first-hand experience, or do they simply have textbook knowledge? <coughs> Are they textbook Gyanis? Have they read all the right books? Do they know all the right things to say? So, if I have hundreds and thousands and thousands of clever thoughts, clever ideas, clever arguments, if those thousands of arguments become hundreds of thousands, if those ideas which are a thousand become hundreds of thousands, not even one is going to be useful to you. In the end, these don't count. Good philosophies, good theories about how the whole universe works, how to obtain enlightenment, theories alone don't help. So at this point, we have to ask ourselves, why? Why does cleansing not help? Why does sitting in silence not help? Why does refraining from maya not help? Why does reading all the books not help? Because it sounds paradoxical. And yet Guru Nanak Dev Ji is doing something very strategic here. He's putting all of the techniques out there and saying, all of these, that's not where it's at. Why? Because in every single one of these examples, there is the ultimate obstacle in the way. The obstacle is that I am going to achieve this by doing this myself. The ultimate obstacle is that you're still there. <coughs> you still want to achieve by your own efforts. And every time you do an effort, your ego will get lost in its ability to do that effort. The better you get at doing something, your ego will be built up. Because your ego will say, I've been to all these places. I've done Ishnan at all these places. You haven't done all of them. I've done all of them. You can't sit in silence, I can sit in silence. You can't meditate, but I can. You haven't read all the great texts, you don't know all of the lines, I know all of the lines. As long as there is an I am that can do these things, your ego will get lost in its delusion that it can achieve something. And ultimately that is what won't serve you. It's not the meditation that isn't going to work. It's the you trying to meditate that isn't going to work. It's the you trying to achieve purity that isn't going to work. <coughs> it's the you trying to get gyan that isn't going to work. So then the ultimate question now gets asked and the question gets answered as well. Give sachyara ho Give kure tutte pal. Give. How? Sachyara. We know what this word such means from the opening salok. Ad such. Jugad such. Such means permanence. A state of permanent truth. That which is always permanently true. <coughs> Give Sachiara, how can this permanent truth, Hoya, occur? Now, notice what is being asked of Guru Nanak Devji. He's not asking, how do I merge with God? He's not asking, how do I meet God? Because that delusion has already been broken. 
if there is an I that is still trying to find God, that duality Guru Nanak Dev Ji has already explained, you need to understand this is not about me finding God. Because then he has to go back to Ikkonkar to start again and say, you still don't understand. I'm not here to try and find a God. So the question isn't, how do I meet God? It is, how can truth occur? So right now, there is this I, and I understand that this is false. I understand that this is fake. Kur. <coughs> Kur is the word that we use to talk about rubbish. Yeah? Literally, the, the stuff in your bin. It's referring here and says, I know that this is rubbish. I know that this is rubbish. The entire fortress that has been built around me. I know that this is rubbish. But how does this rubbish disappear? It knows that when that disappears, the such... Remember the, the, the light bulb in the room analogy? The wall has to be shattered. This brick wall that we've built around us of false rubbish... How does that get shattered so that truth radiates? Give It's about the light of truth just revealing itself, being present, being the main thing, not being obstructed. <coughs> so it's not how do I meet God. It's a very fundamental difference. If there's still a you to meet God, it's like in Monopoly, you know, it's like back to, back to square one, back to jail. Mm. You have to go back, start again. Yeah, you're not here, you're not ready to ask this question yet. Because at this stage, we're not asking, how do I meet God? We've dealt with that I. Now this is about the right understanding, asking the right questions. How can that truth that permanent state of mind, that truth state of being, how can that occur? Yeah? How can the kūr, the filth, break? Pal means a veil, a curtain, a barrier. You can even say it's a wall. Yeah, Using the same analogy we've used so far. It means some sort of barrier, obstruction, a veil, a curtain. <coughs> How can this truthfulness occur? How can the veil of filth be broken? Hukam rizai chalana nanak likhya ma. We've learned about words that have a sihari in them. There's another meaning for sihari, as well as being a feminine word, as well as being a longer word like murti, shortened to murat, there's another reason for sihari. And that reason is within. Within. Otherwise, this is not the spelling of hukam. The sihari only has one meaning here. Within. Hukam is actually not a feminine word. Yeah? So it means within hukam. Hukam, the second word in Guru Granth Sahib Ji, we don't have letters which we have in the Punjabi alphabet. So in the Punjabi alphabet, the last line is all the letters with bindi. Jajjeper bindi. Yeah? per bindi. We don't have those letters in Guru Granth Sahib Ji. But just like in English, we just need to know certain words 
are pronounced a certain way, like in the word knife, you never pronounce the K. You just know those rules. You don't become adamant and say, if it's written, I'm going to pronounce it. You just know certain rules. In the same way, there are certain rules. We just know certain words come from certain traditions. Here, this comes from a Persian word, raza. Raza. Raza is not a Sanskrit word. So because it comes from a Persian word, and it's pronounced in a particular way, in their language, we inherit not only the word, but how they pronounce that word. So here the word razai, even though it's not spelt with a Z, because the Z, Jajiper Bindi, doesn't exist in the Gurmukhi alphabet, it shouldn't be pronounced rajai. Yeah? Hukam Raza. Raza means, in the Persian word, it means teri raza, your will. Yeah? Your wish. Hukam razai, chalana, to walk. So, walk on the will of that command. Be within that command by walking on that will. Walk by the raza of the command. Hukam razai chalna. Guru Nanak Dev Ji is saying, this is the technique that will work. What does he mean? He's saying, bathing in holy places doesn't work. Sitting in silence, trying to silence your body, but then hoping, hoping that your mind will become silent. Running away from possessions, <clears throat> overindulging in possessions, that won't work. Reading all of the things, the books, that's not going to help. Accepting will work. Walking on the will of the command. Nanak Likya Nal. Walk on that hukam, which is Likya Nal. So, there's two ways to interpret Likya Nala. Some people say it means that which is written next. Likya Nala. What is coming next? Implying that what I have written in the next verse. Hukam Razai Chalana. Nanak Likya Nala means, Nanak, what I'm going to say next. Because the next verse is all about Hukam. So, Hukam Razai Chalana, Nanak is now going to explain, Likya Nal, I have written this next. But the reason that doesn't hold up is because Guru Nanak Dev Ji isn't just talking about a verse that's going to come next. He's actually talking about a Hukam that's written with you. And this is the other way to interpret the line. Hukam Razai Chalana Nanak Likya Nal That which is part of you That Hukam that is written as part of you Tere Nal That Hukam that is within you Accept that That Hukam that is already part of you That addresses All of the lines before them Accept you as you are. Don't try and purify yourself. Because if you try and purify yourself, what you're saying is what you are right now isn't good enough. As the universe has created you, isn't good enough. I need to become more pure. That's not accepting hukam, as you are. Silencing your mind is saying that as I am right now, I'm not 
meditative enough. I'm not good enough. Trying to fulfill all of your desires is you saying to yourself, I am unfulfilled. So I'm empty. So what you try and do is you try and empty, you try and fill that empty void. Trying to read all the spiritual texts is saying, I'm clueless. There is no gyan in me already. I have to go and read all of the books. But the gurus are against this idea that only the people who are literate, who can go and read all the books, who have all the time to learn all the Vedas and all the scriptures, that they're the only spiritual ones. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji is saying, accept your hukam that is with you now. As you are right now, accept that. That goes back to the word that we learnt within the Mool Mantar, Sepang. That which you are now is already God. When you accept that you are already there, then the only bit of you that needs to change is that I just need to understand that it's already here. I don't need to go fly halfway across the world to bathe in some holy water. I don't need to go and read lots and lots of scripture. It's already here. Remember the question, give satyara hoya. How can this truth be obtained? Guru Nanak is saying, accept that it's already here. Know that it's already there. Now, interestingly, it doesn't say accept the hukam. It doesn't say obey the hukam. It says walk on the path of hukam. Each word here is very important. Hukam rizai chalana. Walk and accept as it's happening. This goes back to the unfolding Onkar Kartapurk analogy, where the universe is constantly happening. Everything that's happening in the universe right now is fine. Everything is fine. The biggest atrocities in the world is hukam. It's fine. If you don't accept it, only you're going to struggle. It doesn't stop the hukam from unfolding. Every day we see atrocities happening across the world. You can either struggle with it or you can be at one with it. It's not going to change the hukam. The hukam is going to happen as it is. If you don't go on the path of the hukam, it's like you swimming in the opposite direction to the stream. The river is flowing one way and you see those salmon the ones that are jumping and going the other way. That's a lot of effort. The stream is going one way. Guru Nanak Dev Ji is saying, stop and the stream will carry you. You don't have to do anything. Just stay. The stream is already flowing. The universe is already flowing. Flow with it. If you don't accept, you're flowing against it. At every moment, you're challenging the universe as it is right now. You're saying, what the universe is doing right now, that's not good enough. I know better. I want the universe to do something else. Universe, I know better. I'm cleverer than you. And this is the cause of all of our suffering. Guru Nanak Dev Ji lays it right out. Your suffering is down to one reason alone is that you are swimming against what is already happening. That's the reason why you get angry. Why do we get angry? Because I expect something to happen and something else is happening and I can't control it. What's anger? It's frustration that the universe is going in this direction and I want it to go in that direction. What is sadness? I expect A to happen but B is happening and I can't control it. 
I'm only sad because I'm still holding on to what I want to happen. What's the solution? Drop what I want to happen and just flow with what is happening. Hukam rezai chalana. It's going to keep going. This is going in this one direction. Whether you like it or not, it's headed in this direction. You're going to take it or you're going to try and force yourself in the opposite direction. Notice that all the previous actions were verbs. They were things that you had to go and do. Yeah? Soche, go bathe. Chupe, sit in silence. Be hungry. Don't be hungry. Go and read and learn and learn lots of knowledge. Go and do all these things. This isn't, this isn't something to do. This is to just let it be. Whatever the situation is, that will pass. Because the, the river continues to flow. In nature, nothing stays still. If it stays still, it becomes stagnant. If it becomes stagnant, nature will kill it off. Nature has no room for stillness. It's constantly flowing. No season ever stays Days change to night, young grows to old, nothing stays. Even if you take the river analogy, the river is constantly changing. One day the river's flowing here, eventually it'll erode the banks and it'll change direction. Nature, Kudrat, Hukam, has no room for saying, no, I want it to go this way, that's it, that's the only way. You're going to have to move out of Hukum's way. Hukum's not going to change for you. Hukum Razai Chalana Nanak Likya Nal. Nanak says, That which is with you, go with it. Everything that is, let it be. Even accepting Hukum isn't the right thing to do. What do I mean by that? When something is happening that secretly you're not very happy about, but you can't do anything about it, what you say is, okay, I give in. Giving in isn't the same. This isn't saying, okay, I give up, I lose. What you're secretly saying is, I still don't like what you're doing, but I know I have no control over. That's not what this is. This is not grin and get on with it. Be happy about it. This is not forced. This is stop and the river will take you. So when you say I accept Hukam, what you're really saying is I accept that I can't do anything. I secretly wish I could do everything. I wish I was in control. But I'm not, so I'll accept it. This is not about accepting hukam. This is flow with hukam. It's a completely different way of being. It is at any moment, at any point, the only thing that comes out of your lips is jyotira hukam. As you want. Whatever you're doing is okay, it's fine. You still have to submit to somebody else. There's still a duality in that. This is simply saying, let it be. It is what it is. It just is. This is why we find it so difficult. Whenever things happen in life, the only question that comes in our head is, why did it happen? Why does it happen to me? What have I done? Am I a bad person? Unfortunately, there is no answer to that question that will satisfy that why. If you ask the question, why does it happen to me? I'm not such a bad person. Everybody else is alright. I'm the one who gets all the, all the trouble in my life. 
no answer that anyone can give you will satisfy the why because the next question is yeah but yeah but why why this why me it the this is about the mind will never and all of these examples have been given here by asking lots of questions the mind doesn't get all its answers it's in the same tone that the guru nanak has said by bathing the mind won't become clean by remaining closed from the world the desires don't stop if you stop all your words the mind doesn't stop and constantly asking why does this happen doesn't actually get you any closer to flowing with hukum hukum is saying it's happening either go with it or struggle hukum rizai chalana so this is a different psychology that guru nanak dev ji is bringing on you now it's not get up in the morning go do this make sure you bathe this make sure you clean behind your ears make sure you've read your this and you've done your that guru nanak dev ji says all right they all have their place yeah think about our rat yeah we're not contradicting rat here bani talks about gur sat gur ka jo sikh khaye so pal ke uth har naam tyaye yeah get up in the morning so that's a rat yeah it talks about bathing yeah but what kind of bathing kar ishnan amrit sarnave that doesn't mean go to amritsar every morning and have your ishnan it says ishnan in the sarovar of amrit that you're already in you're in amrit you are made of amrit that's the kind of bathing that the guru teaches because the guru is not saying get up in the morning and have a shower people misinterpret bani when they when they talk about that but bani's already said cleaning your body is not where it's at doesn't make any difference there are lots of people who live in villages nowhere near water so if they don't get up every morning and have a shower are they are they not in chardikala can they not meditate that day can they not be in an enlightened state that day the guru takes all these obstacles away from us yeah we the ones that put these obstacles they oh you haven't had your ishnan today like it's some pavitra thing i love how people today use the word ishnan people don't just say i ha- i've had a shower they say i had my ishnan today like it's some holy thing that they've done have you had your ishnan today why you just had a shower it's not a holy thing there's no holiness in having a shower good yeah you had a shower good Yeah you put some fresh clothes on good where's your mind give sachara ho ye what was your mind doing while you were in the shower what's your mind doing when you're brushing your teeth where's your mind when you're cleaning yourself bathing yourself getting yourself ready if your mind is in i want to look really cool today that's ego if your mind is this is you everything is you then you're in a state of satyara yeah every moment tera kiya meetha lage this is okay this is nice it's it's very sweet but how do we get to that state we have to accept the good with the bad and that means that sukh aur dukh doe sam kar jao happiness ple- pain and pleasure know them as the same we're all running away from pain we're all trying to run towards pleasure the gurmukh is completely indifferent to pain and pleasure the gurmukh sees no difference between happiness and sadness it, because it it's not there the gurmukh is not there to be affected by happiness or sadness it, it it doesn't get happy and i'm using it in a very different way not in a disrespectful way the gurmukh isn't a person anymore the gurmukh isn't a he or a she the gurmukh doesn't affiliate with the body 
with the circumstances. You're there, but you're not there. Everything that's here, nice. If it's not here tomorrow, nice. It's a very different way of thinking. And Guru Nanak says, now start. If you want a technique, a meditative technique, at every moment of every day, be in this state of mind. That's your meditative technique. That's how you will know ikonkar. So this is what Guru Nanak Dev Ji, and this is just the opening chapter, the first verse. Something to take note of. If you're looking at it, the Japji Sahib in front of you, this ends with number one. But the previous salok also ends with number one. That's how we know that the salok is independent. This is the first verse. Jab is the title. Ad such, Jugad such, Habi such, Nanakosi be such is the first verse. It ends with the, the, the opening kind of theme. Yeah? Salok, number one. Now the first verse, the Pauri, ends with number one as well. So something to bear in mind. The numbering is also very specific in, in, in Gurbani. One and then one. Yeah? So, next week we actually go into Hukam in a lot more detail. And we'll see how this journey unfolds. Until then, why did you go Khalsa? Why did you go Fateh? Mm-hmm.